Welcome, Bangladesh. Okay, we just finished Ois Ches. And in Ois Ches, the Rebbe told us two aspects of the connection of Neres Hanukkah to the Pareachag, to the, to the uh, Bullocks of Sukkis. First of all, they're both eight days. What does that mean? They're both levels of Makif. Okay, I apologize for those who don't have copies, but I mean, we're finishing the Mayimut today. The, the two levels of Makif, of transcendent and all-encompassing light, as opposed to the level of godly light that is, descends down and powers worlds within the context of it being clothed in kalim, called mamale. This is all a level of seivev. But when we're talking about it in Kedusha, we talk about it in Makif, not so much seivev. So sukkah is a makif, it surrounds you, and yet the whole idea of sukkah is to bring it down into a state of hisiashus, settledness, we talked about this on Thursday. And shemini atzeres is the is the is to be la'atzor, so to speak, to stop, to gather in all of the keiches of the seven days and bring the eighth level down into a state of internal connection. Right? That's what the Rebbe said about the Shemini of Sukkot. That's, that's Shemini Yitzhah's Dafka. So to Hanukkah, the Mesir Snefesh of Hanukkah takes the Makif, that level of our Neshama, which is usually transcendent, and brings it into our consciousness. That's the Mesir Snefesh of Hanukkah. That's what Mesir Snefesh is. Mesir Snefesh is connecting on a conscious level to our essential being. So both of them are eight. Right? And the eight is also Aleph and Zion, one and seven that the Aleph, the transcendent level, is drawn down into the seven, the imminent level of reality, the revealed level of reality. (coughs) And then the Rebbe compared Sukkot to Hanukkah. Our real work was to compare Hanukkah to Sukkot, because we learn about Hanukkah from Sukkot, but then the Rebbe compared Sukkot to Hanukkah at the end of the year by saying that, just like Hanukkah, the level of light of Hanukkah is so powerful that it affects the the lowest levels of reality, so even the regal of the, uh, the regal, t- regla de tarmudai, kalia regla de tarmudai, even the, I mean, the simple shot is that the light Hanukkah licht until the tarmudai, those people who collect the little pieces of wood, etc., in the, in the market at the end of the day, that those people have left the, the market. But in Panemius, what was it? That those people are the Mardim, that the level of the light of Hanukkah it gets to the darkest places in the world and illuminates them. And that's the, the power of the level of, of the light of Hanukkah. So to Sukkot. What do we see about Sukkot? We see that Sukkot is the holiday, <coughs> excuse me, that was able to elevate the Shivi Mumais. And two things happen. On one hand, just like we saw by the Tarmudai, two different uh, understandings of the word Adekalya. One is the, the bittle of the, of the negative force, the other is the elevation of the negative force. So it too is connected to Elokus. So too we see by the, by the Korbanus and Sukkot. The 70 nations, on one hand, the Korbanus diminished, 13, 12, 11, 10. So the negative aspect of the 70 nations, that which they tend to enslave us, etc., etc., hopefully their their kayach to do that is diminished. On the other hand, they're elevated to be part of the Aved in the Beis HaMikdash, that they're also part of, of the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash. So they reach a state of tremendous connection to a Kodesh Baruch Ad that the eighth day... Actually, that highest level, the eighth level, is revealed by virtue of the fact that they've been in the base of this for seven days. Because the Kaddish Baruch Hu says to us, stay with me one more day. Everybody went home, I want you to stay with me one more day. <coughs> and that's Shemini Yitzhak, and that's the, the, uh, 
the the korbanos and shminitzes or the korban, the special korban that we bring on shminitzes. Okay, test that was ches. Vehine ha'inyan this idea. That when the sun sets, this relates particularly to the darkness of Golos. Sunset, nighttime. Golos is nighttime. Particularly the doubled and quadrupled darkness, the ikvas of the Mashiach, that is in the world on the heels of Mashiach. Meaning it's always darkest before the dawn. The dawn, of course, is Mashiach. <coughs> Before that, it's a state of tremendous darkness, tremendous confusion. And this is the instruction, the Neres Hanukkah, Ner Hanukkah. To every single person in the time of Golas. That the purpose, the intention, the Cheshach HaGolas, why in the world did the Ebishter put us in Golas? And what is it that the, that, that the Ebishter gets out of this situation called Golas? Who bichdei golus is that which brings the Jew la'erder to arouse avedu to mesiris nefesh. <coughs> the greatest mesiris nefesh of Yidden has been expressed dafke in golus because it's necessary. Unfortunately, and through this the light is rectified and transformed to light. The darkness is rectified I'm sorry, and transformed to light. Rav Mendel said that the <coughs> the most joyous years of his life were the 12, 13, however many years it was that he spent in Siberia because he knew he was there because of Avis Israel. Why was he there? So that after the war, Europe was in turmoil, so it was easier to get people to different places. So of Mendel and a number of other people who were in <coughs> in the Asian part of Russia, Tashkent, Samarkand, over there, so they were the Russian authorities were in charge, but it was it was much calmer over there, and the locals were much less, you know, in, much less drastically involved in trying to catch Jews and kill Jews. So, um, Muslims mostly over there, <coughs> and um, so Mendel was was, I mean, basically they were hijacking trains and taking Jews over the border into into the West, getting them, I mean, once you could get them over the Russian border into Poland, so, you know, those areas before the Russians exerted their control over those areas, so they were still basically Hefker, it took a few years for everything to sort of settle down, so in that time they could get people to Poland, somehow they could get them from Poland, it was easier to get from Poland to Germany, right, Poland was sort of in a state of disarray, more than usual, and uh, and and they could get them into Poland. Once they got them into Poland, they get to Germany, get to France, and so that way they were able to get a lot of Jews out of Russia. And uh, so they would hijack trains, Hasidim, <laughs> hijacking trains, filling them up with people full of full of all sorts of uh, false documents. In those days, it was easier, and and, and you know, documentation was a mess. I mean, Europe was a mess after the war. So it was easier to you know move around with false documents, etc. So uh, <coughs> they printed a lot of false documents and got a lot of Yidden out of Russia. At one point, they were supposed to meet someone, meet a bunch of people at a train station <coughs> to take them out. And I don't know, there's one person or a couple of people didn't show. And so Mendel told the people who were there, the people he was doing this operation with, you go, I'll wait here for them. He waited and he was arrested. 
And he went to Siberia, and he said, the reason I was in Siberia is because I have some Avis Yisrael, and I'm very proud of that Avis Yisrael, and these were his 12 happiest years. That's what he said. He transformed the mysterious Nefesh, transformed the ultimate darkness of Siberia into light. He got out of Siberia. What did he used to do in Siberia? I mean, other than, you know, the work that everybody else did, how, what kept him straight, kept him going, he said. He would close his eyes, and he'd imagine for brains of the Rebbe. And he just has it for brains all day long. While he was working all the time. Just has it for brains. Most of the Friedegrebbe. Just remember for brains. And say it over to himself over and over and over and over. A special Jew. Menachem Mendel ben Menachem Mendel. He was named after his father. His father passed away before he was born. He used to be called to the Torah. Rav Menachem Mendel ben Rav Menachem Mendel. He was brought up by his grandmother and his aunt. <coughs> he didn't have a particularly easy life. <laughs> he was a very simchadik person. Unbelievable. And through a combination, gathering together, sirf means the, jo- the joining together of the Aveda of each and every one of the Jewish people together, Al Kolpanim, at least Rubam. The majority of them, the Rube Kakule, because the majority of something is like all of it. And even through one mitzvah of one Jew, we've gone from all of the Yidden to one Jew doing one mitzvah. Whether or not that's in action, it's in speech, it's in thought. We know the Rebbe is quoting the Rambam. We saw it earlier in Pada B'Sholem. He tips the scales for himself as Kula in the whole world, to the side of merit. And he brings to himself and to them salvation and two different words for salvation. Famous Rambam in Hilchus Chuvu, and the Rambam tells it the person how, how should a person see his life? You see that his, his whole life is, is in balance. And the next act he does, the next positive act he does, which is in that moment, tips the scales for himself and for the whole world to a state of salvation. So that every single person can bring the, the whole world to a state of salvation by virtue of his next positive act. And that's how a person is, the Rambam says, that's how a person is supposed to see himself in, in this world. And that's how we're supposed to see ourselves, obviously. How about the translate alcohol for Even though... Hmm? Or in not, that, well, in that way, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, at least in that sense. Right, at least in that sense. I'm sorry. At least Ruba. Right. I know, maybe, I don't, maybe, 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 I don't know, I don't remember where exactly we saw it. I think we saw it in Padabasholam. I think we saw this. Uh, I talked about the story of my brother on a plane with a Shalir. I don't think we mentioned the story. Just always, the story always just captured my imagination. That story, it's an amazing story. Shaliach, an older Shaliach, was on a plane from California to New York next to my brother, and he got up and, you know, did Mivzat Philip. And that's usually something that younger people do, and older people have been doing it for 30 years, so maybe they've stopped, which isn't necessarily right. It's just, you know, often that's the way things happen. So, so, uh, so he got up and he was busy walking around the plane doing, doing Mivzat <coughs> So he sat down there. He happened to be sitting next to my brother. He didn't know him. He sat down next to him. He said, I'm impressed. 
Right? He said, uh, you know, usually Bachim do it. At your age, he said, well, no, what does the Rebbe say? He quotes the Rambam, and he quoted this Rambam. He said, that the, every act we do could skip the, tip the scales of the whole world to a state of Hatzola, of, of, of salvation, meaning Mashiach would come. He said, how do I know that the person I put on tefillin and in row 23, that that isn't the Aveda that's going to bring Mashiach, that that one person putting on tefillin is going to be it? That's the way to look at life. I mean, you look at life that way, so you get things done. If you look at it as, you know, getting, you know, so you're working towards a degree, there's no degrees in Yiddishkeit. You're just moment by moment bringing godliness into the world, and at the, at the end you look up and you did something. Balachas, you don't have to look up and you that you did something because there's no end, but I mean, I mean you know, things happen. Balachas, kama vakama. I once saw a, a quote from a, a catcher in a baseball game. He was a catcher. He's a you know major league, like he was, you know good. And he did it for a long time. And there was a quote I sent it to a friend because I thought it was such an amazing quote. The catcher is the only guy who has to think on the field, basically, right? I mean, he's the one. He's the quarterback. He's you know okay. It's also the only guy facing the wrong way, right? So. So he said, he said something so, you know, catcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, but he said something very, very important. He said, you have to slow it down to its smallest pieces. To take each pitch, pitch by pitch, batter by batter, inning by inning. And if you do that right, at the end, you look up, and you probably won. That's what he said. So you can't think about the guy in the seventh inning when you're in the first inning. Right? The hitter can. <laughs> Willie Mays, after he retired, said that he used to swing at certain pitches in the first inning, second inning, third inning, and miss by a mile so the pitcher would pitch it to him in the seventh or eighth when he needed a hit to win the game, and then he'd smash it. <laughs> but that's how good he was. He's the only guy who could ever do that. Said he would miss on purpose at the beginning. He only told people at the end of his career that that's what he did. He would miss by purpose. And then the guy would, oh, I know how to get him. He missed it by a mile last time. I'll throw it again. And he was waiting for it and he'd hit it over the fence and everything. How come he keeps doing that? Okay. So most people aren't thinking about the eighth inning. What are you thinking about? You think, what, what's happening right now? Pitch by pitch. That's what he said. Every batter, pitch by pitch. The next batter, pitch by pitch. And then he said, but it's so interesting at the end, he said, and then you look up at the end, and usually you've won. Not always, right? But usually. It's true. Just know that about it. Right? <coughs> when people, you know, tzaddik, benoni, Russia, yes, there's this overall state of being inside the <coughs> Russia. Okay, it's also moment by moment. What am I right now? Am I dealing with the Yetzirah and conquering it? Then I'm a Benoni. There's no Yetzirah right now. I'm just doing something and I don't have any negative subconscious impulses to do something else and I'm connected. So, okay, so right now I'm inside. And then there's a third option. Something happens and for whatever reason I give in to it, okay? So that's called something else. <coughs> Is there a degree at the end? You know, you're a tzaddik. 
Amech kulam tzadikim. The Yidin are all tzadikim. You want to spread light? So spread light right now. So we do. What does that mean? So if you're in yeshiva, it means you keep seder, you daven, you learn. What you're supposed to do. When you're supposed to do it, and that brings light into the world. It illuminates the whole world. Valach has come come, all the more so. Al yidei in through the increase, bekiyam mitzvah ne'er in the mitzvah ne'er Everybody this year, if you haven't ever done this, so this is certainly the way you should light Hanukkah Lich this year, because it's the proper way of lighting Hanukkah Lich. You are Yetzir if you light candles, but the mitzvah in Amuchah is to light oil with wicks, and everybody should get themselves an oil menorah. They're cheap, they're nothing. I mean, they're just little pieces of aluminum that they, I don't know, they look gold, right? These little things, and you put it in the cups, and you fill it up with oil, and you learn how to play with the wicks, and it's, uh, you can get those sets where they're all in there. I've never found that those things burn, but maybe they do, I don't know. I never had a lot of luck with them, but um, <coughs> you set up oil candles because the mitzvah in a move car is to do it with oil. So that's what we do. You can do with candles. The problem with candles, especially the candles that you get in the box, the, 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 that um, they often don't burn long enough. They have to burn a certain period of time, right? Meaning you light at shkia, and they have to burn <coughs> for half an hour after it says, which is minimum 50 minutes. So the first night, those things usually burn 50 minutes. Once there's two or three of them, the heat gets too much and they burn too fast. So you're not really yet to the mitzvah the way you should be. And look at Hila, it's supposed to burn 50 minutes. So uh, now usually, you know, especially Bokhim, because you're out of Mitzvahim, you usually light a little late. I would imagine over, over Hanukkah there'll be some Mitzvahim. I don't know, you know, I don't know what the plan is, but usually there's a few army bases visited at some point during the... During your last year, you guys went to army bases? No? You were here Hanukkah last year, no? Or two years, two years ago. All right. Time flies. All right, two years ago. So so you went to army bases, yeah? Yeah, yeah so it's pretty special. All right, dancing with the soldiers and giving out sufka and yot, and uh, everybody has a good time. <coughs> the soldiers aren't soldiers, they're just Jews. I mean, they're also soldiers, but they happen, you know, they, they're Jews. They were Jews before, and they're Jews after, and they're Jews in the middle. I'm sorry. This mitzvah is specifically connected to the notion of salvation. The geula that will be through Mashiach. The Baal Shem Tov said that Hanukkah is his favorite holiday. That since Mashiach, and also Eliyahu, the one who heralds the geula, there's a Gemara in Sukkah that discusses two different groups of people. Seven leaders and eight princes. And um, it's it, it very interesting Gemara, like who the people are. And it, it's just, I've never, never seen, I mean, I'm sure there are, but I, I've never seen one, you know, a parish explaining all of the people and why are they there, etc. But the eight Nesichei Adam are all people who are Shaykh to the Indian of Mashiach. And, and two of them are actually Eliyahu Navi and Mashiach. Right. So Mashiach is Shaykh to the eighth level, as we've seen Bechlal. The, the, the Kinor of Mashiach, the harp of Mashiach, has eight strands, as we saw earlier in the Mimer. Inyan Shemein and Eris which is the Indian of the seven, the eight candles of Hanukkah. These eight people are eight illuminaries that correspond to the eight 
candles of Hanukkah. In, in Lashna Kaidish and in the Torah, when the Torah describes beauty, there's eight different Lashaynas of Yefi, eight different expressions of beauty that are, that are connected to the eight days of Hanukkah. And one other aspect by Shaykhus and Miyuchedus of the, the special relevance, the Neris Hanukkah, of the Hanukkah Lich 2, the future redemption, the Kamesh, Neris Hanukkah, just like Neris Hanukkah, Aim Betelim Lielam, Neris Hanukkah is that which, the, the, right, that the, the Meshur Benu said to Aaron when Aaron was upset, we said earlier in the Mimer, Meshur Benu said to Aaron when Aaron was upset about the fact that he wasn't part of Hanukkah Samizbeach, he wasn't part of the commemoration of the dedication of the Mizbeach, he wasn't bringing Karbonas, that each tribe brought Karbonas but not Levi. And therefore, not the Kohanim. So Aaron was upset, and Mesha said, Yours is greater than theirs. Yours is the menorah. You're going to light the menorah, which, of course, is the halacha talked about immediately after the 12 tribes bring their, bring their kabbonis at the end of Parshas Nase. The next Parshas Baloischa. Baloischa Seneris, the mitzvah of the menorah. Mesha Benu says, Your menorah is greater than their kabbonis because your menorah will never be, never be bottled. They'll always be lighting a menorah. Throughout the years of Gullus, Yidin are going to light a menorah. And what's that? Hanukkah. <clears throat> it represents the idea of the light never being canceled and nullified. We saw it earlier in the mind. Cain gam, so too gula sida. So too the future redemption, tia gula nitzchis. It'll be a, an eternal redemption. She'ein shayach. That's not relevant. Shiach Golas. Every other gula of the Jewish people, Pesach, Purim, every other state of, of even, even Hanukkah. The first Hanukkah, every other state of redemption, there was Gullus after it. I mean, it was only temporary. Mashiach will be the last state of redemption, after which there will be no Gullus. V'chein beis so too, the first two Bati Mikdashis, as great as they were, had certain limitations. And one of the limitations was in time. That they only lasted 410 years and then 420 years. The third base of Mikdash, who bias Nitzchi, is an eternal bias. She'en a bottle that's never nullified, it'll exist forever. Babias Mashiach Tzidkenu, with the coming of Mashiach, Yahweh v'yigaleinu, he should come and redeem us, v'yelichenu, and bring us, kemu misleatzinu, upright to our land, because of Mamish. Very soon. Okay, now, let's just go back. You don't have to look. Five questions. What were our five questions in the mind? First question. The difference between Beis Shammai and Beis Well, we knew that. Right? That wasn't a question. Meaning, we were taught. That wasn't a question that we asked. That's, that is a, an interesting question that one might want answered. But, I mean, we knew that from reading the first line in the Mimer. What's the connection between Hanukkah and Sukkot? Right, what's the connection between Hanukkah and Sukkot? Because Beis Shammai teaches us that we learn how to light eight through one from the Pareachag. Okay, so we said, well, they're both eight. But then what did we ask? Why are they both eight? Okay, then. Can we look? Hmm? Okay, that was, right, that was the fourth question, right? Why not seven candles? Oh, right, so the fir- first it was, why do we commemorate a miracle that happened on a seven-branch candelabra with an eight-branch candelabra? Candelabra. Right? I Meaning, why do we, right? The, the mitzvah, the, the miracle happened with a seven branch menorah in the base of Mikdash. So, why don't we have a seven branch menorah when we celebrate it? Why is ours eight? Okay, fine. The fourth question is the question Doron just said that why, why specifically Pare Achag? Why is it that when we learn from Sukkot, we learn Dafka from the 
mitzvah brought on the Mizbeach, because the Mizbeach and the Menorah are two completely different uh, levels of Aveda, two completely different Kalim in the base of Mikdash. And, and so how do we learn from the Mizbeach what to do regarding a miracle with the Menorah? The Mizbeach is Malchus, the Menorah is Chochmah and Chesed. In Kabbalah, the Rebbe I mean, right, just said, I'll be Kabbalah, so he didn't explain what that was. Okay, and the fifth question? Time. 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 Right, why do we light the menorah at sunset when the, when, uh, the Hanukkiah, on Hanukkah at sunset, when the menorah in the base of Mikdash was lit an hour and a quarter before sunset? Okay, what are the answers to our questions? Right, what, what's the connection of, of Hanukkah to Sukkot in general? Okay, they're both eight, but... Okay. Ah, they're both at right. What's the significance of eight, right? So that the, 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 they're both a makif, but not only are they a makif, they're a makif brought into Panemius, right? Which is the ikr of Sukkot, right? Is that the makif is brought into Panemius, that the, the transcendent, all, all-encompassing light is brought into a person's conscious reality. That's the Aveda of Sukkot. To bring, in general, the Rebbe doesn't say it in the mind, but we talked about it. In general, to bring the makif of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, that incredible inspiration, which is a makif. Inspiration is a makif, the ultimate makif, which people love makif. Right? Yushalayim, call them ore junkies. Right? Hooked on ore. Go find somewhere holy and get inspired. <clears throat> okay, that's great. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Now what? Do something with it. Bring it into Panemius. If you don't bring the inspiration into Panemia, so it's a complete and total waste of time. Right? Disappears, and then the person's exactly in exactly the same place they were before. Right? That's not what life is about. Real relationships are about times when there's no inspiration. Marriages last when inspiration isn't there. The two are still connected. Everybody's nice. You know, it's like nice people. Who's a nice person? A nice person is a nice person when he feels horrible and is having a terrible day. Everybody's nice when they're happy. Genghis Khan is a great guy when he's in a good mood. When he's in a bad mood, he'll cut off your head. But when he's in a good mood, he's just, he's the life of the party. Oh, take a village, please. Take my village. I just conquered, raped, pillaged, and plundered the whole village. Take it, my friend. Get out of the room fast, because he might be in a bad room, mood in five minutes, and then he'll pillage and plunder you. Okay. Everybody's nice when they're in a good mood. Nice people are nice when they're not in a good mood. That's a nice person. That even is a kid, he's having a bad day, and he doesn't feel well, and he's tired, and his boss just yelled at him, and it's just one of those, he got stuck in traffic on the way to work. It's just one of those days. How are you doing? Baruch Hashem, how are you? <laughs> you would never know. That's a nice person. Okay. Relationships. When do you know a relationship is real? When there's no inspiration, right? When the inspiration isn't there, that's when you know the relationship is real. Everybody is into relationships when they're inspired by the relationship, right? So to speak, what they call in the world, falling in love, they're inspired. I had a professor in college who used to call it fall. This is 40 years ago, right? It's not like this is new that people couldn't figure out relationships. It was just starting then. And he said, 40 years ago, well, I wish it were only 40 anyway, it's more than that, but we won't go there. Right? So, so, so uh, he used to call it falling through love. So people, he had two statements for it. He said it was either falling through love or falling in lust. 
those were his two descriptions of, in those days, modern day love. Right? Okay. It's just gotten worse, but, you know, okay. Right? When, when, when's a relationship real? When you're not inspired. But you do it anyway. Why? Because you're committed to the relationship. When do you know that you're serious about your relationship with the Kaddish Baruch You're not inspired to get up in the morning for Chassidus, and you do it anyway. You're not necessarily inspired to daven, but you do it anyway. Why? That's just what has to get done. It's just what, you know. And, and usually, interestingly enough, is if you start doing it, you know, a certain level of energy comes. But sometimes it doesn't. Okay, be safe. So, so it doesn't come. It doesn't matter. Except the daven chakras. This thing is not davening chakras. It doesn't exist. Right? Just, there's no such thing. And, and, and that's... The mysterious nefesh that the Rebbe talked about relative to every mitzvah. I mean, we saw it in Pada B'Shalom. The Rebbe talked about the mysterious nefesh of every mitzvah. What's that? There's no, there's no other way. There's no alternative. This is just what is. Baruch Hashem, it's amazing. It's incredible. Am I always aware of how incredible and amazing it is? Of course I'm not always aware of that. We don't work that way. I mean, there are people who are in that level. We call them tzaddikim. Right? But most of us are not there. Most of us are not inspired about life, about Yiddishkeit about ourselves, about our wives, about our children. Our children are usually pretty inspired. Right? You, you, you like, you know, have ups and downs. That's the way the world goes, right? Because if you're not inspired about yourself any particular day, so then you're not going to be inspired about all those other parts of you that are, you know, your relationship with this and with this and with this. Every single day you're inspired. Oh, I can't wait to get up and learn. There's days which oh, I just want to stay in bed today. I'm just tired. Get up. Why? That's real. That's when you know it's real. If I get up when I'm inspired, so, I mean, you know, no one misses airplanes. No one sleeps through airplanes. I mean, how many, I mean maybe you could be you up know, once in your life you miss the plane, but everybody gets up for planes. My plane tomorrow is 5 a.m. I'm going to miss it? No. I'm going to be there. Why? I have to get in a cab at 2 a.m. You know, one of those horrible flights to Europe. <coughs> What, someone who, Mickey, did you miss a plane? Yeah. <clears throat> no, it can happen. Right? No, no, it can no, happen, but it's unusual, right? It can happen, but it's a mistake that, you know, it's like you go, whoa, what did I do? You know, it's not like you wake up if, you know, you woke up late on a day of Christmas, whoa, what did I do? And you're like completely freaked out. You miss a plane, you go, whoa, what, uh, now what? Right? Okay. Right? It is. A, I did it once also. I remember waking up as the cab was beeping outside for a flight to America. TWA used to have an early morning direct flight, and I missed it. And I was just like, I had a meeting that day in New York. I just I was completely, what have I done? Ran around all day trying to find a flight that day, which, which was just stupid. I mean, it was just, it was just okay, go tomorrow. But, okay. But usually that doesn't happen. Why? Well, because you, 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 know, you get on the plane. And what's the big deal? You get on, you, so you don't sleep or you do sleep or whatever you do. But you're up. If, if, if it's 2 in the morning, the cab is coming. So you're there. Okay, why? Kaka. I mean, what are you, what are you not going to be there? You don't miss planes. Okay. So we don't miss davening. We don't miss chassidus. We don't miss whatever it is. Zeisman, Kriyashma. Right? Can it happen once in a blue moon that all of a sudden you wake up and you go, whoa, what happened? How did I not wake up? Okay. Seisman Krishma, when is it? Okay, so then there's no such thing as not getting up at least 15 minutes before, washing your hands, rinsing out your mouth, and saying Krishma. 
There's no such thing. It doesn't exist. What do you, I understand. There's a day you don't put on tefillin, so how can it be a day you don't say Kriyashma? Can, can it happen once in a blue moon that somehow you ended up sleeping in and you don't know what happened? Yes, it can happen. <coughs> but generally, no such thing. It's like missing a plane. That, Monsieur Snefesh, the Rebbe called it. He called it in Pad the He didn't call it here, but it's the Monsieur Snefesh that I was talking about here. It's, that's the Monsieur Snefesh that makes things happen. And that's the bringing, bringing the makif into panemius. So This is the way it is. And and you're inspired. Hopefully, we're always inspired. Are we always inspired? Anybody here in this room is always inspired about themselves and their life. Sometimes we have more. We just not. Right? Then what? Since I've been at it longer than you, I can tell you what happens. You do it anyway, and you know what? Pretty soon, I mean, before you know it, not because you're not thinking about it, because you're busy doing what you have to do, you forget about the fact that you're not inspired, and you just get on with it and enjoy it and live it and go with it like you do normally, right? (laughs) That's what usually happens. I mean, sometimes you'll spend the whole day just feeling blah. Why? Because your eyes are turned inside, all you can see is yourself, and you're just spending this day a little too focused on self. And so that means you're just not sensitive to what's going on around you, and so you have one of those days. Okay, so does it happen? Hopefully not very often. It happens. People are like that. We're all like that. We have our ups, we have our downs. Is it other people's business? No, they shouldn't even know. Why? Because you're doing the same thing anyway. Should your wife know that you're just feeling uninspired by yourself, her, and everything else? No. What should she know? That you love her. So when you see her in the morning, you say, Hi, sweetie, how you doing? What's up? As opposed to, Oh, I'm feeling down and I don't like you and leave me alone. What's wrong with you? What kind of moron are you? Why would you do that? Why would you threaten the most important relationship in your life because you're having a bad day? Like, why would you do such a thing? What kind of, like, what an idiot. You're going to go to your business and threaten everything you've built for the last 15 years in your business because you're having a bad day. You're going to make some absolutely irrational decision and and throw everything into absolute chaos because you're having a bad day? Of course not. Well, that's what you just did with your marriage. Why would you do that? Right? That's like a silly thing to do. I haven't been working on this for 15 years that this should be a successful marriage. And right? Okay, so why would you? So you're having a bad day as much. So go to work and, and completely destroy your company. Fire everybody and go, what are you nuts? No one does that. Stay away from the office. Don't go in. Right? Go golfing. I don't know. Golf in the snow. Who cares? Just stay away if that's what you're going to do. No one does that. I mean, I, maybe there are people who do that, but they're lunatics, right? Okay, so we don't do that in our life. We don't do that in our relationship with God. We don't do that in our relationship with our wives. We don't do that in relation with our children, right? Why? So hopefully we're normal, right? No one would think of doing it with their relationship with their bank account. So that's not as important as those other things, okay? So we make sure that whatever has to get done gets done. Baruch Hashem. Hopefully, most of the time we have tremendous inspiration, but that's not the inspiration. Isn't what it's about. Dafka, what separates the 
the men from the boys, so to speak, is who does it when they're not necessarily inspired. That then you see that a person's a person's real. No, no babies today. There's not no 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 grandchildren or anything in the family, as far as I know. So uh, it's not going crazy. <coughs> okay. So. Sukkis is bringing the makif into Panemius, that we, that we experience this incredible connection, but it's also bringing us to a level of a zoivinitandrish. This is the way it is, and there is no other way, which is just so important, which is so interesting, because the Rebbe talked about it in Padabusholim, that the highest level and the most basic level are really one and the same. What's the most basic level? Kabbalah's all. Just doing it right. It's what has to get done. It's just the way it is. Commitment, committing ourselves to something. Commitment means whatever has to be, has to be. Because, you committed to something, so you do it. You, you want to do it, you don't want to do it, you, you do it, you, you just do it. That's what, and, 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 and that's a very, very important thing to be able to do. That's what, you know, that's what adults are about. <coughs> Children have a hard time doing that. Mm-hmm. Adults, I mean, doesn't mean, you know, the, the number of years in your passport. I mean, an adult, an adult is able to do it. So they're about. They're, they realize that you know, I'm committed to certain things, and it has to get done. And as I get, okay. Imagine someone in a you know really important position who just doesn't feel like doing it. You know, I don't understand. You know, president of some country. Well, I'm just not inspired to be president today. Well, <laughs> okay, but I don't know whether that's really an option. Is it? You pick this. You decide it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> okay. So that that took care of the first the first the first question connecting Sukkot and and how is Sukkot compared to Hanukkah? Well, we see also that Sukkot itself is is elevating the dark, right? By by taking the Umasa Elam, which might be a force for negativity, diminishing the negative aspect of it and revealing the positive aspect of it and elevating the whole world so that it's all part of the kedusha of the Beis Hamikdash. That's what happens in Sukkot, right? So we've been reading about Esav, right? Yitzhak wanted the wanted the the Yitzhak thought that since Asav's power on a certain level is more is greater than Yaakov's, that if Asav's power is harnessed, so then that'll bring about the Geula. And that's absolutely true. Right? But what did Rivka understand? Rivka understood that that's not going to happen by Yitzchak giving the brachas to, to Asav. It's going to happen by Yaakov bringing about a beaver in Asav. It has to come through Yaakov. Right? And so that's what we just read. Yaakov meets Esav and says, okay, are you in a state of biur? I've finished my Avedis of birurim. I've done what I'm supposed to do. I went to love and I elevated everything I'm supposed to do. Now, how about you? And he realizes that Esav isn't ready. And he says, okay, I'll see you later. Right? That's last week's Parsha. Last week's Parsha is Parsha, the whole history of the world. It's unbelievable. Right? Okay. Because the, the Tikkun is really, it comes through Esav, because what's Esav? Esav is Tayu. Esav is the powers of, of the Ur is the Tayu, the powers of the, the light of chaos, which is a more powerful light. It just has to be brought into Kalim of Tikkun. It has to be brought into vessels and expressed positively. Mm-hmm. So Esav, so to speak, is the child. The child has unbelievable, in terms of emotion, unbelievable emotional energy. Okay, what's the problem? Somewhat chaotic. Right? It can be either very positive or very negative. 
Okay, so what if I can somehow bring that incredible energy into some state of order so it constantly expresses itself positively? Okay, so that's an incredible shiluv, an incredible bringing together of, of the, the advantage of childhood and the advantage of being an adult. What happens when you're an adult? What does intellect generally do? Intellect tempers emotions. Adults don't emote like children. Tell a child that they're getting a treat. They start jumping up and down and screaming and running around in, in just absolute glee. Tell an adult, I'm going to give you a, you know, guess what, I have a, I have a treat for you. They don't start running around and jumping and screaming. They go, oh, wow, that's really nice, thank you. Their emotions are much less severe on both ends, right? Not as positive, not as negative. Mechin tempers emotion. The nature of that's... Adults don't, you know, when, when in, in the Sims, when the 18-year-old girls hear good news, there's different levels of screams in the hallway. You get, to, you get to figure out who got engaged by the scream. There's screams of, you know, a second cousin got engaged. There's the scream of a first cousin. There's a scream of a sister that's like decibels beyond belief. You hear, ah! Now, her mother... This girl's mother, who probably likes her sister just as much as, you know, the sister is her mother's daughter, right? So I'd imagine the mother likes that girl just as much as her sister and Sim likes her, probably a little more, different level of love, okay? The girl comes home from a shidduch and says, we're engaged. So what does the mother do? Ah, no! Oh, wow, it's so, she's like really happy, right? She gives her a hug and she's so excited. She calls her mother and says, guess what? You know, Mushki's engaged and blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's so exciting. Okay. Doesn't scream. Why not? She's an adult. Adults don't scream like that. Well, they do at sporting events, but that's when they're not acting like adults, right? But, but they don't, right? Okay. Intellect tempers emotion. But, interesting enough, but panemius, intellect is supposed to produce emotion. It's just less powerfully expressed in a chaotic way. But in a tikundic way, it's, it can be incredibly powerful. Other of them, the love of a Kaddish Baruch that comes from the deeper intellectual understanding of the greatness of God is a much more powerful love. But it's not that a person is jumping up and down and screaming. It's much more powerful. Oh, so that's when you take the chaos and order it. So that's Yaakov ordering Esav, bringing Tikkun into Esav. What did the Rebbe tell us? And the Rebbe told us to bring Mashiach. What did he say? Bring Eris of Teyu into Kingdom of Tikkun. Bring the, power, the light of chaos into the vessels of Tikkun. The most powerful light is to be brought into some state of order. That's Shukas. Okay. Uh, uh, seven branch menorah, eight branch Hanukkah. Why? Same general idea. What's Hanukkah all about? Bringing light to the darkness. Bringing light to the darkness, which is the revelation of the eighth level, which is also why we light Hanukkah Licht when we light Hanukkah Licht, which is the first thing that Rebbe answered, right? That we light it at night because Hanukkah is all about revealing the dark, you know, illuminating the dark, right? Okay, and the fourth question in between? 
Mizbeach to... So that we just basically talked about that. What, 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 is that, what does the Mizbeach represent? The Mizbeach represents Malchus, physicality. Right? The Adwa, the Hanukkah, they're all about elevating and illuminating that state of reality. That's what Hanukkah is able to do, to go to the lowest level of reality and elevate it. And that's what a Korban is all about. Korban is taking the lowest level of physicality and elevating it to a state of Elokus. So that's what Hanukkah is all about, is taking the lowest level of reality and elevating it to Elokus. And those, those are the answers to the five questions as we went through the mind. Okay? So now what I would like you to do... Okay, now first of all, one thing that you can do, just don't tell anybody I said this. Because I think Rabbi Kaufman is still teaching in Zal. So if you want, you can sit in Zal and... If you're going to learn Becherusa out loud, then probably do it either here or maybe in the Viber Shul so as not to... Do people learn in Zal when he's teaching? I'm not sure. It's probably going to bother them if there's, you know, 10 or 12 of you sitting and learning in Zal. I don't think he's here today. What? I don't think he's here today. No, today, for sure. No, I'm just saying in general, for the next three, four days. Mm-hmm. Fine. Because um, I'd like, what I, again, what I said at the beginning, I'd like to get, I'm going to give you, I, I forgot it, which just means I'm going to come back here later today. I'm going to give you a word sheet so that you'll have words and you can puzzle this mind Yigiyah's man for many of you, that you should sit down and chazer the memory inside yourself, right? A number of you have asked, how can I make chassidus more, how can I learn more from class? The, the, way, the way you learn more from class is not class. The way you learn more from class is chazering the memory in your own time. Listening to it once, that's what we call inspiration. Hopefully it's inspiring. The mimer, the odd story in class, hopefully it's inspiring, right? But that's not the idea. The idea is to bring it into Panemius. How do I do that? Well, I have to learn the mimer again. If I don't remember the mimer, if I don't remember the five questions, I can answer the questions, remember the mimer, go through the whole mimer in, in my head. So, so how do you do So this is a good opportunity. I mean, honestly, I'd rather be here saying sheer, but uh, we'll start a new project when I get back. But, um, but in the meantime, a longer project. In the meantime, learn this mimer. All right, so again, I'll bring a word list, which I think will make it a little easier. It's not going to have every word, but it'll have some of the harder words. Um, if you want to sit quietly, just don't let anybody know you're doing it. Listen to 20 minutes of Rabbi Kaufman Shear at the end of Seder. Just sit there and pretend you're preparing for davening and listen. So he's teaching pretty good, interesting stuff down there. All right, so listen. That can also be, a, you, know, you can know where you're trying to get to. You know, where, you know, worried like, what did Rabbi Kaufman tell someone? Ah, so we're, right, he said, we're, we're doing scales. This class is like playing scales. So now, that might not always be so interesting, right? I mean, for, yeah, Siddhas is always interesting. But we're getting the basics, Right? We're getting the basics. So sometimes you just have to do the hard work to get the basics. That means sometimes certain questions aren't answered. Why? Well, because I'm, 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 that question isn't relative to getting the basics that we have to get. Even though the question's a very good question, it's not necessarily relevant to that particular issue. Right? So you just have to, and then at a certain point, once you've learned how to play scales, and then you can start actually, you know, playing the music while they're playing the music in that class a little more. By definition, that's what's so interesting about learning Torah, is when you're learning Torah, it doesn't matter on what level you're learning Torah, you're learning Torah. 
A teacher teaching two plus two is four isn't learning anything. A teacher teaching a Mishnah to a complete and total beginner is learning the Mishnah exactly the same way the student is. There's no difference. I mean, he knows how to do it better, but he's, he's learning the Mishnah. I'm not learning two plus two is four. Because I know two plus two is four. And there's nothing to know about two plus two is four other than two plus two is four once you know two plus two is four. Every time you learn a Mishnah, you can see something new in the Mishnah. You can't see anything new in two plus two is four. I mean, it just is what it is. I mean, in base 10, I mean, you can all of a sudden decide there's something called base 3, and then 2 plus 2 becomes 11, and that's cool. But I, okay, I'm not there. I'm not doing that. I'm doing base 10. 2 plus 2 is 4. That's the way it is. So you teach some kid 2 plus 2 is 4. You're not learning anything. You learn a Mishnah with someone who never learned a Mishnah, you're learning a Mishnah. So you learn a Mimer with a, You're learning a Mimer. You mean you're learning the Mimer, I'm learning, we're all learning the Mimer. So, so that's what's so astounding about learning Torah is that what, whatever you, level you're learning it on, it's real Torah, it's learning Torah. But there are levels that are more preparatory and there are levels where it's just, just sitting learning. Right. Okay, so um, there's a certain aspect of doing scales here. There's certain things we just have to learn. The last two my mind have been about Messiah's Nefesh, but what's Messiah's Nefesh? What is that level of Avaita? <clears throat> the next project will be Maimar God Lacey Mishakela, which in terms of in terms of Haskola and ideas will take us beyond what we learned in Basi Lagani. In Basi Lagani we learned about the four worlds. This will take us to the two levels of Bot, but beyond the four worlds, called Arich and Ati, two different levels of Kesser. It will explain that to us. And uh, also there's a lot of Avaita in there. Say that. So, again, I'll bring the word list. Chazer, you want to sit and listen to Rabbi Bachman? Uh, uh, I've just been taped saying that, which is a little problematic. But uh, don't say I said that, but you can sit there. Don't ask any questions if you just want to sit there in the back and listen. But don't make it clear that you're listening. So, fine, there's good stuff going on. Um, um, and, uh, you know, in terms of shears, I will see you a week today. All right. I'll be back Thursday, but not in time for sure. I, get, I can't get back in the morning. I'm leaving Wednesday in New York. <coughs> okay.